0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 313 of the Running Rogue podcast. I'm excited about today's episode for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm actually in Boston recording it and get to be a part of Marathon Weekend here to celebrate not only over 50 rogue athletes competing, but also, of course, see the insanely fast fields on both the men and women's side, get to see Kipchoge and get to watch a really stacked American women's field with Des Linden, Emma Bates, Alafine Tuliamuk, Nell Rojas, Sarah Vaughn, Sarah Hall, and more, and it's gonna be fun to see how that competition shakes out. And of course I get to watch all the rogue athletes and celebrate with them, many of whom are first time Boston Marathoners, which is always a really special trip. So I'm also excited because I'm, appropriately talking about weather and race day in today's topic here in Boston. It may be one of the notorious races for having variable weather on race day. And I get questions all the time about how should I adjust my race plan? How should I think about dealing with adverse conditions? And so we're going to actually, in this episode, break it down. We're going to talk about heat and humidity. We're going to talk about wind. We're talking about cold. We're going to talk about rain some of those things might be in play on marathon monday and I'll give my tips for the boston current boston forecast at the end of the episode if you want, if you listen all the way through but that's what we're going to break down we're going to talk about how you adjust pace we're also going to talk about other tips for dealing with challenging conditions on race day again appropriate because I'm in boston before we get there I wanted to quickly thank my sponsor for the episode better they've been a partner of mine for about six months now, and I can't recommend them enough. So we'll talk about that in the episode as we get into it about mid-episode. So with that, let's jump in. Let's talk about weather and race day. And before we break it down by type of condition, I wanna just lay the groundwork here and talk about the approach, the mentality to dealing with weather and race day. One of the things that you might hear some people say is that weather is, and it's one of those variables that's outside of your control, and I know everybody gets obsessive about it within usually about two weeks from race day. They start checking that 14-day forecast, and basically their mood on a given day hinges upon how that forecast adjusts. And in a situation like with Boston, it can change, three or four times between the 14-day forecast and when you actually get to race day, maybe even more than that because it's so variable in spring in Boston. But it gets people really anxious, nervous, understandably, because you put all this work into a big day. And whether that be a marathon or a half marathon or even a 10K or 5K, oftentimes weather can play a role. Again, it's outside of your control. So what you have to do with it is recognize that it's outside of your control and then do the thing that you can control, which is prepare as best as possible for whatever conditions you might face. And that means oftentimes, especially in the case of heat, that means adjusting your pace strategy so that you can actually sustain the paces that you might be targeting on race day, which can be challenging in in warm conditions. It also means employing other tactics to to try to mitigate the impact of those conditions, whether it be heat, cold wind, or rain on your race. And I want to underscore the fact that on a warm day, on a windy day, on a rainy day, those are the races that can sometimes be the most memorable. They're also the races that I think you can look back on fondly regardless of the time if you've given your best no matter what. And of course, you think about Des Linden's case and one of her slowest Boston marathons, not her slowest because that was her first Boston, but one of her slowest Boston marathons was a 239 in 2018, which she happened to win. The reason it was slow was because of wind, rain, and cold, the trifecta of challenging marathon conditions with the Nor'easter that day, but time didn't matter, she got the win, right? so. The point there is that you can actually really be proud of your race if you run a beautiful race, if you adjust to the conditions and accept what they give you instead of stubbornly trying to force your way through and keeping your good weather day plan regardless of what you might face on race day. Because it's simply physics in most cases, sometimes chemistry, if we're talking about heat and humidity, it's going to affect you, the conditions will affect you if they are adverse, and you can do everything you can to not let them, and we'll talk about some of those tips today, but you have to recognize that that's a part of the equation, and you have to accept it, you have to make your adjustments, you have to employ some of the tips I'm going to talk about today, and then if you do that, you can be extremely proud of the result. One of my most proud marathon races was maybe my third or fourth fastest marathon, but it was a day where the temperatures climbed into the mid-70s and the heat definitely affected me more than I really gave myself credit for on the day as I was disappointed. But looking back now, I think about that race fondly knowing that I did everything I could and ran actually really well considering the challenging conditions. So we'll talk about What adjustments to make in this conversation. And again, I'll talk about tips that you can employ to try to best manage each of these conditions. We're going to go through each of the four things one, heat and humidity, two, cold, three, wind, and four, rain. And I'm going to give you tips on adjusting your pace strategy if that is required, and I'll also talk about other tips for managing those specific conditions. So let's jump in with the one that can be most challenging, heat and humidity. And by the way, I'll be giving you rules of thumb on pace for all of these conditions, and I'll say as a coach, these rules of thumb have held pretty true in my experience, both personally and as a coach, but of course, it might be different for everybody depending on how you might respond to heat or what your hydration needs are for example so there's some variability here but these are I think good rules of thumb and in most cases they're going to put you in a position to execute a solid race and allow those conditions to not get you as as they would if you just stubbornly went forward with your original plan so with with in the situation with heat and humidity on a warm day The general rule of thumb that I like to recommend for that is that for a half marathon or a marathon, that you should adjust your pace by 10 seconds per mile for every five degrees above 55 that start temperature is. So if it's 55, all systems go, run as planned. If it's 60, adjust by 10 seconds per mile. If the temperature is 65 at the start, adjust by 20 seconds, 70. 30 seconds, 75, 40 seconds. And so you start to add up pretty quickly on those seconds and I know I have a lot of people that would say, that's crazy, that's too much. But again, I promise you, having, having managed these situations personally and as well as coached it many times, these adjustments will help you stay in a safer zone than if you just go out and try to stubbornly run the pace you'd originally planned. And another note here is that in a half and a full, this is how I recommend starting, basically sliding all the bases up by this amount for the first 10 miles and a half and for the first 21 or so miles in a marathon. And once you get to those points in the race, all bets are off. You can run based on how you feel at that time and try to close as hard as you can in either of those events. But adjust by 10 seconds per mile for every five degrees over 55 the temperature is at the start so that's your pace adjustment but let's talk about some other tips to help you manage the heat and perhaps the humidity as best as possible again this is one of the more challenging conditions to face and so you want to do everything that you can to try to endure the heat the best you can and it starts actually pre-race one of the things you want to do pre-race is Avoid anything that might increase your core body temperature. So if it's going to be warm out there, I wouldn't recommend having a hot coffee or a hot tea before race day, which is going to warm up your core temperature from the inside out. Instead, try to have cool or cold beverages. So in this case, go with the iced coffee or the ice water or drink things that are going to help you cool from the inside out. You'll see the elites also wearing ice vests. If you don't have access to that, it's fine, but you could also potentially tuck a bag of ice that would be sitting or resting close to your heart. So you fill up a bag of ice, lay down perhaps while you're prepping pre-race, and just simply rest that bag of ice on your heart, which can help cool the blood going through the heart, which then spreads to the rest of your body to lower that core body temperature a little bit like a ice vest might if you don't have access to one of those. The other thing to think about pre-race obviously is what you're wearing. So in these situations, I recommend wearing, if it's going to be warm, wearing as little clothing as comfortably possible for you. That might mean not wearing a shirt, in which case you want to be thinking about pinning your bib to either your shorts in some way or wearing a race belt that will allow you to pin it to that so that you can still have that Visible and present because you want to make sure that's visible for race organizers on the front of your body, but not wearing a shirt potentially or wearing as, as light of clothing as you can with light colors so that it doesn't absorb the sun. And then also considering wearing a visor or potentially sunglasses if you're in sunny conditions so that you can at least manage that a little bit, manage that direct heat on your face and or head as best as possible of course i recommend a visor if you have one relative to a hat so that you're not trapping in that heat on the top of your head which could potentially make you a little bit warmer so go visor if you can instead of hat another thing you can do of course is focus on hydration i would Definitely think about amping up your hydration with electrolytes pre-race in the advan- in advance of a warm race. Also make sure you're considering electrolytes during the race, whether that be using salt pills or per- perhaps doubling down on the electrolyte drink that you take in on the race course. In a marathon, if I'm going to have warm conditions, I would consider salt pills at the start and every hour. And I would also consider doubling up on electrolyte drink. So instead of, and in usually in a good weather race, I'll grab electrolyte drink every other water stop. In this case, I would if it was warm, I would grab it every water stop, as well as potentially a cup of water as well to make sure that I was staying ahead of the electrolyte and hydration game so that you could stay cool. The other thing to consider as you're thinking about going through water stops on race day is that pouring water on the back of your head or the back of your neck can actually cool you down faster than taking in water. And obviously, you need to take in water, but I would also be thinking about pouring it on your head. And if you're in a, a low humidity, warm environment, then pouring water on your head and or neck could help cool you because you would actually have the evaporative cooling mechanism kicking in where it's actually evaporating off your skin after you pour it on your head, which will actually help drop that body temperature. So those are some things to consider in the race. Hydration, amping up the hydration in the electrolytes, as well as pouring water on your head. And then, of course, if you see somebody on course that's handing out cold rags or perhaps passing out ice, that would be something to grab and put on the back of your neck as well. In fact, I did one year, I did the Sioux Falls. I did the Sioux Falls Marathon. I was actually, it was the last... Last minute Boston qualifier, so that I could get into the 2014 Boston, so that I could be a part of that year after the bombing. And in that race, they were they were actually passing out because it was warm. They were actually passing out cold rags on course, and so I would I remember grabbing them. They probably had them at six or eight different spots on the course and i would grab one every time put it put it on the back of my neck rub it on my face to cool off a little bit so that i could manage those conditions so in summary if it's going to be warm certainly slow your paces and then try to implement some of these other tips in order to manage that heat as best as you can by prepping in advance wearing as little clothing as possible amping up hydration and of course to the extent that you can pouring ice water on your head and the back of your neck to try to cool down during the event. And just remember, you can't fight physics and chemistry. Heat is terrible for chemical reactions like respiration that is happening in your muscles and your mitochondria to make you go, so it's disruptive to that. And there's also, heat causes friction, which is disruptive to your muscles' ability to move. The last thing to consider about heat is making sure that when you're done with your event on a warm day that you hydrate well with electrolytes post event to get back to peeing normally as quickly as you can to make sure that your body has the water it needs to also kickstart recovery. Because oftentimes after, after a warm day, you can be a little bit more sore afterwards, especially if you didn't hydrate well enough immediately post event. So those are my tips for the heat. Now, let's talk about my tips for the opposite end of the spectrum, the cold. And I don't know about you out there, I would much rather a cold day than a hot day, certainly, and especially for the marathon, but really for any distance. would much prefer the cold. But there are some things to consider when running in cold temperatures. From a pace perspective, if the temperatures are 35 or above at the start, 35 to 55 would be, from my perspective, that perfect sweet spot for marathon or half marathon racing, then all systems go. You keep the pace as is. If it's gonna be below 35 and you're gonna be approaching freezing at 32, then that's where I think you need to consider potentially adjusting your paces at the start. From my personal experience, on a cold weather day, it can take you a little bit longer to get warm. And if you have a short race, you can spend a little bit more time in warm up in order to get ready for the start line. But in a marathon, I don't think you should actually do a warm up before a marathon, even if it's cold. So you just wanna start a little bit slower in the race if it's gonna be below 35 on race morning. And that would mean adding about 15 to 20 seconds to mile one and then taking potentially one, two, even up to three miles longer to progress down to your target pace. Normally the blueprint, the quote textbook blueprint for a marathon would be to start about 30 seconds slower, progress down over the first three or four miles to your target pace. For a half marathon, it would be start maybe 15 to 20 seconds slower, and then progress down over the first couple of miles. That's your blueprint. But if it's going to be cold, it might take you longer to get there. So I would add a little bit of time to that first mile so that you're not overdoing it on a cold day with those muscles as they warm up. Add 15 to 20 seconds in mile one and then just take a little bit longer in your progression to target pace. So it might end up being five, six, seven miles in a marathon. It might end up being three to four miles in a half marathon to get down to target pace before you settle in. I can tell you in one of my marathon PRs, I believe it was in 2014, it took me about eight miles to get warmed up in that race where marathon pace felt really, really challenging for those first eight miles. And then I was able to settle in once my muscles got fully warm on that day, which was about 32, 33 at the start and really didn't even warm up beyond that the entire morning. So, Start a little bit slower if the temps are below 35 and give yourself perhaps a little bit longer to warm into it. Beyond that, I don't think you necessarily have to go dramatically slower unless you're someone who has experience in these conditions and you think I need to actually slow down across the entire race rather than just easing back on the warm up. And certainly if conditions are 20, 25 and below and you're really starting to have to layer up, then that would be another situation where you might consider adding a little bit of time to your targets so that you can account for the fact that you're wearing bulkier clothing and also the fact that your muscles may never get fully warm in those extreme cold conditions. So those are my recommendations on pace during cold conditions. Let's talk about some things that you can also do to prepare for such conditions. One of the things that I already mentioned is if it's a half marathon or shorter, you can extend your warmup. Normally for a half marathon, I like to do a one to one and a half mile easy warm-up before I might do some drills and strides. If it's a cold day, I might actually add an extra mile to that, maybe go two and a half miles or so to get warmed up before I actually start the race. Same thing for a 10K or 5K, add a little bit of distance to that warm-up. For a marathon, again, I don't like to add warm-up miles because you're already going 26 miles on the day, so just slow down that initial pace and then give yourself more time to get to the target pace so that you're not using too much energy early on while the body is warming up because it costs you energy to push through if the body's not warmed up. The other thing to think about, or another thing to think about would be layering up with some throwaway clothing in the start corral. So go, go get some sweats and some things from from Goodwill or, or pull things out of your closet that you don't wear anymore. Most races will end up donating these clothes that are discarded at the start and just wear them while you're in the start corral to stay warm with your race gear underneath. So that can help you keep as warm as you can for as long as possible. And then of course, once the gun goes off or right before the gun goes off, you can take those things off and discard them over the, the security fencing. Some races will even have repositories for you to throw those things so that they can then donate those to someone who might need it. The other thing pre-race would be thinking about doing things that will actually warm your core body temperature. So we talked about with the heat, doing things that would cool your core body temperature. If it's going to be cold, you can do the opposite, which would mean having a warm coffee, having a warm tea, having another warm beverage, putting a warm compress on your heart potentially so that you can keep that that core body temperature warm, which will only help your muscles warm up as the blood flows to them if that blood flow is a little bit warm as well. So think about doing things that can warm your your core body temperature. And then when it comes to the race itself and the race gear that you're wearing, I encourage you not to overdo it too much. I can tell you I've raced in conditions down to 35 degrees where I have worn my normal race gear, which would be, for me, a singlet and half tights, while then supplementing with a beanie with arm warmers and gloves to help keep my extremities warm until they're fully warmed up so that I could then potentially discard those items later in the race. I know I did Houston in 2018, and the temperatures were like that. They were 35 to 37 at the start. I had a beanie on gloves and arm warmers. I ended up discarding the arm arm warmers to a friend, I believe at the, about the mile eleven mark. I actually kept the gloves with me the whole time because I usually like gloves if the temperatures are going to be below 50 and they were the entire morning that day. So I kept those with me the entire time and I've learned not to throw away a beanie because you never know when you might want to throw it back on. So I tucked that into my shorts at some point during the race as well. So if you your relatively normal race gear and then use those running accessories to keep your extremities warm, then that can help you manage those early conditions until the day actually warms up and until your body full, fully warms up as well. So think about the beanie arm warmers which are perfect and then gloves to potentially support with that. And if you do decide to wear more clothing, just make sure that it's something that you can pull off. So for example, If you're gonna wear a long sleeve and you think that you might end up pulling that off at some point, then think about what you have underneath. Make sure you attach your bib to the thing underneath so that when you pull that top layer off, you still have a bib and race officials can still recognize you as a part of the race. So just carefully consider how you layer if you're gonna layer and be very, very careful not to overdress. Ultimately, just like for a run, you wanna be, if you're doing it right, you're probably gonna be a little bit cold at the start line until you get going and if you're not a little bit cold after you toss those throwaway clothes, then you're probably dressed too too warmly, especially on a day that's gonna warm up a little bit from those conditions. And lastly, I'll just remind you as I discussed earlier, just don't panic on a cold day because again, it might take you a little bit of time to warm into the race and that's normal. It's happened to me and I didn't panic, I stayed calm, I let the body warm up and eventually marathon pace Started feeling comfortable again as my body warmed into it. So just keep that in mind on a cold day. It might take you a little bit longer to find that rhythm, to find that groove, to dial into your target pace, whether that be a half or a full. And that's absolutely normal and okay in cold conditions. Just be patient. It will come and then you'll find that groove. And in the case of that day in 2014, I actually felt worse at mile seven than I did at mile 25 because once I got warmed up, everything was good to go. And that's Not always going to happen, but in that case, it was really, really key that I didn't panic early when my body was warming into that race. So keep that in mind. All right, before we get to the last two, we'll talk wind and rain here in a second. I want to talk about my sponsorship with BetterHelp. They are the largest online therapy provider that I couldn't recommend enough. And I'll tell you, as I've mentioned before, I've seen a therapist for grief that I was managing due to the loss of a close friend. I've also seen a therapist to just help through parenting strategies to work with a teenager. In the first situation, I was looking for a therapist myself and ended up going to an in-person therapist. And I can tell you it was very, very difficult and a little bit scary to go through that process because there's a lot of options out there. It was hard to narrow down the one that was going to be right for me considering what I was trying to work through. And I found it initially very paralyzing to try to make that choice of choosing a therapist because again there were a lot of options and I was overwhelmed by those options. The second time that I went to therapy was for parenting advice. And in that situation I used BetterHelp. And it was much easier because I went online, I filled out a a short survey that basically identified what I was looking for and then they matched me to a therapist and I was able to meet with that person virtually. So it was really easy to find and also really easy to connect. And it wasn't as overwhelming as it was for that first time when I was going in person and I was trying to choose someone from that long list of options that Google gave me and that friends had recommended. And so BetterHelp was perfect for it Highly recommend it. If you need help for anything, big or small, seek them out, go to the site, fill out the survey, they will match you with a the therapist. And if that therapist doesn't work for you, you can always change without any charge or penalty. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash running rogue today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's better help. Help, hel forward slash running rogue. That's 10% off your first month. Go check it out. Okay, let's get back to my conversation about race day and weather. We've talked heat and cold. Now we're gonna talk wind and rain. And I can tell you getting to the wind one, this one is my personal nemesis. I will take heat, I'll take cold, I can manage those, but man, it is very, very tough to manage wind. And I have very recent personal experience with this one because our crew raced at Indianapolis this past fall, and it was 20 mile an hour sustained winds over the second half, both their half and full, and gusts up to 40, 50 miles an hour at times, depending on where you were on that course. It was absolutely brutal, and it went from about halfway to the finish in the marathon, and it went from about mile eight to the finish in the half marathon. So it was really, really tough and really hard to think about. So in prep for that race, I did a lot of research on the effect of wind and the tough part about this, or at least the the part that's unfair, is the fact that wind in your face hurts you more than wind behind you helps you. And that's just a product of physics. Unfortunately, again, going back to physics, Wind in your face hurts you more than wind behind you helps you. So even if you were running it out and back, it's not gonna be a zero-sum game in terms of the wind's impact on your potential race and your pace. So we've gotta think about this and break it down. One of the unique things though about wind is that it's gonna come from a direction. And so Depending on where you are on the course and depending on the the shape and structure of your course, it may or may not impact you the same way, and it certainly may not impact you the same way the entire race. And of course, on a course like Boston, which is point to point, running west from Hopkinton towards the east to Boston, then the wind will affect you, in theory, similarly the entire way, if it's coming from a sustained single direction, but on a loop course, then it might impact you differently depending on what parts of the course that you're on. And Indianapolis was a loop course, but it basically went north and south for the most part. And so the first half of the race, largely the wind was at our backs. And for the second half of the race, largely the wind was in our face. And so for the wind, you have to actually look at it by looking at the course map, studying the direction of the wind, and trying to understand how it might impact you in various sections of the course. So for this one, I don't have a simple apply this blanket formula across the entire race, but I do have a formula that you can use in sections of the race to know how the wind might affect you. And so here's the way to think about it. For every mile per hour of wind that might be in your face, then it could affect you by one to one and a half seconds per mile. Now one caveat here is that I'm talking about higher winds. I'm not talking about winds that are five to 10 miles an hour that might not be really significant or putting a big impact on your pace. But when, you're, when you start to get over 10 miles an hour, 12, 15, 20 miles an hour in your face, that's when I'm talking about applying these rules. So one to one and a half seconds per mile for every mile per hour of wind that might be in your face. So in the case of a 20 mile an hour wind, then you should adjust your pace by 20 to 30 seconds in those miles where that wind is in your face. Again, that may sound like a lot, but I can tell you again from personal experience and from coaching it, that that's about the right adjustment to make. And then you would apply that to the section of the course where that wind is in your face, and then obviously consider that you might actually be a little bit faster, but only by about half a second per mile when that wind is at your back. And so in the case of the Indy race, where the wind was gonna be more or less at their backs in the first half, and then in their face over the second half, I actually recommended that they run to plan for the first half, and then for the second half just recognize that at equivalent efforts, their pace could slow by 20 to 30 seconds per mile. And if they saw that on their watch, they should recognize, or you should recognize, that that's okay, that that's actually what you should expect if you're managing your energy appropriately. Otherwise, if you try to press into that wind and go faster than that or go an equivalent pace to what you would originally targeted, then it's gonna cost you more energy than you can afford. And that will eventually catch up to you. So again, the, the adjustment is one to one and a half seconds per mile for every one mile per hour wind in your face when you get to that threshold of 10 or more miles per hour wind in your face. So that's the math, that's how it might affect pace. But let's talk about ways that you can mitigate This one is actually mental, and this is something that I recommended to the runners in Indianapolis considering that it was going to be so tough that day, and it was, is to actually have a wind mantra, to actually have a wind mantra. I can tell you wind, as I mentioned, for me is one of the most frustrating conditions to face, and it will put me in a bad mood, it will make me angry, it will cause me to spiral because again, it feels like the harder you push into it, the harder it pushes back and it's, it's just brutal. So I recommended to the group in my pre-race talk there to actually have a wind mantra. You know, we talk about rhythm mantras. We talk about fight mantras for that day. I recommended people have a wind mantra, which would help them be in that relaxed calm steady but still determined mindset to adjust the pace to let the effort stay the same but naturally be slower into the wind so they're not burning extra energy but to do so with a relaxed a calm a steady and a deliberate approach and find a word or phrase that's going to help you get into that headspace because it's tough and it's uniquely tough. And I think it actually calls for its own type of mantra to face off against that win when it's tough. So that's one thing to think about, think about a win mantra. Another thing to recognize is that drafting, you hear about it working in cycling, it actually also works in running. And, and most of the time, if you can tuck in behind somebody or a group of people, then that will significantly save you energy because you're going to be able to, to simply go faster at equivalent efforts, even if the wind is in your face because somebody's breaking that wind for you. So tuck in behind someone, find a group that you can work with, perhaps rotate the duties in the front so that you're getting a little bit of a relief. That actually works. It really works in cycling. It also works in running, as you saw with Kipchoge's sub-two effort. That was a big part of their ability to get under two hours was to have a whole crew of pacers that were rotating in and out for him. So draft to the extent that you can, recognizing that if you're going slower drafting versus potentially trying to break out and go faster on your own into the wind, it might actually be a better strategy to hang with the group so that you can conserve energy until perhaps you can switch gears in a more favorable section of the course. So draft have a wind mantra. Another interesting tip is to watch your hats and your sunglasses on windy days. I can't tell you how many hats and sunglasses I saw on the ground in Indianapolis because people had put them on top of their heads and they just blew off. I mean, the, the conditions again were, were really, really crazy. So watch your hats and sunglasses on windy days so that they don't blow off for you. And also know that wind can do really strange things. As I mentioned, you want to study the course, figure out which direction the wind is coming from. And note, by the way, if you're looking at a weather app and it says winds from the wet or westerly winds, that means it's coming from the west and not blowing to the west in your face, east to west. So check that weather app, match that up to the course map so that you know exactly where that wind will be coming from and in particular where it's going to be hitting you in the face and and just note when you're looking at that that if you're in a dense downtown area the rules of directions may not apply because wind does weird things in dense buildings and roads where it might end up swirling a bit it might end up tunneling and funneling in different ways and so you can have the wind, even though it might be saying that it's coming from the west, you could have it in your face heading west in a downtown area because of the way winds can swirl in those dense environments where you have tall buildings and narrow roads between them. And I can't tell you how many runs I've done in downtown areas where you run down one street and the wind's in your face, you turn around and come back the other way and the wind's still in your face because of the way the wind swirls in those urban areas really urban environment. So just note that that the wind could play tricks on you and be prepared be prepared for that in windy conditions. So that's the wind, one of the toughest ones. But let's talk about rain now. And I consider this kind of ending on a positive note cuz usually from my perspective rain is the easiest of these conditions to manage. Not always, but It's usually the easiest to manage unless it's somehow accompanied by high winds and or cold, which it can happen that way, of course, as we know from Boston in 2018. But what I would recommend if it's raining is from a pace perspective, you don't need to make any adjustments except as what might be required by the heat, the cold, or the wind. So if you have another variable at play with rain, then you need to adjust for pace accordingly. But otherwise, if it's just a light rain or a gentle rain, no pace adjustments needed. But there's plenty of things you might want to think about in managing rain on a given day. One would be to get a hat, to wear a hat, to have something covering your face and eyes so that the rain's not falling directly into them. So having a little bill or brim of a hat will protect you so that you can actually see where you're going and not get that rain in your eyes. I'd also recommend pre-race that you bring a poncho and or a trash bag to try to stay as dry as you can for as long as possible. Just like you might bring throwaway clothes on a cold day, you want to bring some plastic shell on a rainy day so that you could toss that at the start line and stay as dry as you can for as long as you can. Another thing to think about if it is going to be cold and rainy and windy would be potentially to have a shell a jacket to wear during the event itself if you think about boston in 2018 which was cold temps in the 30s windy winds in the 20 to 25 mile an hour range plus rain that was the trifecta of of perfectly challenging nor'easter conditions Wore a jacket the whole way. Many runners wore jackets the whole way, and that was what helped them not get hypothermic on those types of conditions. Days. So if it's just raining, no big deal. Wear a hat and potentially a, a shell that you can toss at the to start. But if you got cold and wind potentially involved, you might consider having a jacket. Just note that if you have a jacket that you might want to consider where you place your bib in case you want to de layer later. So maybe you put your bib on a race belt or on your shorts just in case you pull that jacket off, or perhaps you plan to take it off and you put it on that shirt that you might be wearing underneath. You also want to check your shoes on a rainy day to see how they might respond in those conditions both on the normal road but also on the painted stripes. I thought an interesting detail in Des Linden's book, Choosing to Run, was the fact that she actually went out and she was wearing relatively new super shoes that Brooks had developed hadn't I believe tested them in rainy conditions and so she went out on race morning after getting to the start and quickly tested her shoes on the roads to see how they responded and on the stripes to see if it was going to be slippery and then also noted that she would watch and not try to run on manholes and things like that that could be slippery so note how your shoes might respond and some are going to be better than others I can tell you I've had adidas Shoes before that had continental rubber on the bottom, which is a tire rubber, and those things were amazing in wet conditions. I've also had shoes that had a, a actually limited rubber on the bottom and were super slippery in slick conditions. So know what you're dealing with there, and get your best shoe on to race in that might manage those slick slick conditions, and then go out and test how they respond both on the regular roads as well as on the painted sections so that you can try to avoid those if it's going to be particularly slippery another thing i want you to do is check your clothing and just think about how absorb how the absorption will work with that with the clothing that you're wearing particularly your socks for me in wet conditions i want to wear as thin of socks as possible so that that water wicks away from my foot inside my shoe ideally also i have a shoe that allows the water to exit from my foot so that I don't end up with really heavy feet because of a bunch of water absorbing into my socks and shoes and staying there. So be thinking about that. Also think about the, the materials you might be wearing. Obviously in this situation you want to be thinking about the type of fabrics that you're wearing. Cotton on a wet day can be really difficult because it can be highly absorbing. And so you want to perhaps avoid that. Stick to your synthetic materials so that you can get that water away from the skin and potentially not end up wearing as much of it. Also relatedly, I think wet conditions are toughest for chafing. So you really want to double down on anti-chafing products on a wet day. Think about how it will affect your feet and all the areas that you normally chafe. I would generously apply whatever anti-chafing product you choose. I like personally sport shield some people like body glide there are other options out there maybe even vaseline for you but just make sure that you're doubling down on anti-chafing products because it can be absolutely brutal rubbing your skin in wet conditions and then lastly i want you to think about how you're going to get dry and warm at the end of a wet day because walking around post-race in wet conditions is really, really tough and challenging and can put you in a hyperthermic situation particularly quickly, even if it's not that cold. I think about the 2015 Boston where it was a, a wet day, but it wasn't particularly cold in terms of raw temperatures. I remember hearing people talk about how they got really cold after they stopped because their body heat stopped warming up that water that was sitting on their skin, and then suddenly they got really cold afterwards. And so you wanna have a plan for getting dry clothes and getting in a warm situation as quickly as you can after a wet race. So that's the last thing to think about if we're having rainy conditions. So there you have it. Those are the adjustments that I recommend making for heat, for cold, for wind, for rain. And without further ado, let's talk about my predictions for how to manage the Boston conditions that are currently forecasted for Marathon Monday. Right now, I'm recording this on a Friday evening. I've got an hourly forecast on my phone. I use the AccuWeather app. It's telling me that it might be mid-50s in Hopkinton at 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. with relatively light winds and a 50% chance of rain that morning. As you move into Boston, it doesn't look like the temperatures actually warm up that much. According to my weather app at 2 or 3 p.m. in Boston, it's currently slated to be 53 or 54 degrees. So it could actually drop in temperature a little bit with the wind increasing as you head into the city, potentially being 10 to 12 mile an hour headwinds and also about a 50% chance of rain in the afternoon as well. So it's likely that you're going to get rained on. It doesn't look like the wind's going to be too extreme and it looks like the temperatures are going to be decent. So in this case, I would actually deploy the strategy that I recommended simply for rain. At this point, based on this forecast, I don't think you have to adjust for heat. I don't think you have to adjust for cold. I don't think you should adjust for wind based on what I'm seeing right now. But just consider the fact that it might be rainy out there, which will mean having some sort of hat on your head in order to keep the rain out of your eyes. Also thinking about how you manage potential rain at at the athlete's village. Again, as I mentioned, having a poncho or plastic shell that you can wear while you're at the Athlete's Village and while heading towards the start line so that you can try to stay as dry as you can for as long as possible. Some people in 2018 brought an extra pair of shoes if you happen to have one so that you could switch into that once you get to the start line so that you put on a dry pair of shoes and socks when you actually get to the start line. I don't know that that will be required on this day. Seemed like it was helpful in 2018 because it was so extreme, but this one doesn't look to be as extreme. So do the basics to help protect you from rain, hat, poncho, and make no other adjustments based on heat, cold, or wind at this point. Hopefully it won't change, but you never know. It's Boston, but that's what I'm recommending as I sit here at about 10.30 on Friday night. Fingers crossed that it holds relatively close to what we're seeing right now, because I think those will actually end up being decent conditions for most of you out there. I will be out there on the sidelines cheering and certainly rooting on everybody. So if you're in Boston racing, I wish you the best of luck. Otherwise, I wish you the best of luck in whatever race you might have this spring. And now you're prepared to handle whatever conditions might be thrown at you. So we will wrap it here. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.